Welcome to Saturday Night Shoggy. I'm your host for today, Vlord GTZ, and with me I have my usual co-host Sakaki. Yo, feel like I'm back from the dead. Mmm. Yes. Yes. You might be. And also with us is Lum Ramayasha. Guess who's back? Back again. <laughs> Lum is back to talk some again. Guess who's back? 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 The talks on na 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 We watching anime. Yeah, I think Lum's song kind of sums it up. But today we are talking about the first episode of the Zom 100 bucket list of the dead anime in what we hope is going to be a regular watch through of the show on the podcast we are going to try to go through every episode week by week and kind of just talk about it a little bit um because zom is amazing it's probably one of the best ongoing series right now that you can actually read a simul pub for that, that's so so weird to think about but yeah, a Zommel pub. <laughs> yeah, a Zommel pub. Very fitting. But yeah, honestly, I, I, I love Zom. It's one of my favorite ongoing manga. And I keep blabbing about it to Sakaki and Lum all the time. So I'm kind of just forcing them to do this. You're, You're not, not forcing, forcing me. Us. You're not yeah. the boss of me. <laughs> You're not Kosagi. <laughs> You're not Akira's boss whose name you couldn't remember and thus missed out on the chance to win a Shishiki live drawn by Takata-sensei. Yes, I'll never live that down and I'll probably never forget Kosugi's name ever again after this. <laughs> it was uh, it was so traumatic. <laughs> not as traumatic as working for a black organization. That's <laughs> true. This is why Conan's trying to take them down. Yeah, because exactly. they're, they're exploitative. <laughs> Yeah. They're just a badly run company. But to I I guess to give a basic premise of Zom 100 for the uninitiated, it is about a office worker named Akira Tendo who works for an exploitative company and after 3 years he's been completely burnt out. He's kind of become very negative on life and then suddenly a zombie apocalypse happens and all of Tokyo is basically turned into zombies. And instead of being frightened by it or shocked, Akira's happy. He doesn't have to go to work anymore. He can actually have fun. He can do what he wants. And so Akira creates this bucket list of items that he wants to do before he turns into a zombie and heads out on an epic adventure to go have fun and do what he wants. And yeah, it's just uh, it's a really fun take on a zombie apocalypse story. While having some biting social commentary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very there, much. A, biting. It's, it's zombies. very. Zombies. Wink, yeah. wink. <laughs> <laughs> really takes a bite out of capitalism. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Lum's joking, but literally, there's a lot of commentary on capitalism in the later story arcs. I, I've shown uh, screenshots and stuff of some of the later manga stories to Sakaki and Lum, and it's, it's very interesting the direction it goes in. Um, and a lot of the messages from Asso at the end of the volume is very much kind of resonate with that. He, he, he kind of talks about like, is money really making you happy? 
uh, and kind of discussing like the kind of the pursuit of happiness. So Oslo's digging deep on this. He's he's spitting fire. He's writing down gospel. It's it's just really good. It's kind of ironic to think about. Maybe he's speaking this from the point of view of he's no longer he no longer has to draw. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like his happiness was hoisting those responsibilities onto someone else while he writes. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, I'm being a little bit dark, but um, yeah, some is interesting in just how I mean we're getting we're we're explaining the whole series, but like this first episode especially just kind of captures the spirit of just just like being a fun take on the zombie yeah like it's very tongue-in-cheek and it does you know as as Vilor just said it as the series progresses even the even the like commentary it has on like capitalism is always it's like it's there but it doesn't ever feel like it's like smashing you on the head with it like it, it's just kind of a thing where it's just like yeah these characters are really been you know you can really see yourself in them as like it's going to work and getting money is that just isn't it just sad when all you do in life is just barely live <laughs> barely. Mm-hmm. so but i mean yeah we're here to talk about episode one though yeah and i think uh one thing i really want to highlight here is just how beautiful this anime looks like bug films is a relatively new studio they've done uh production support for a lot of olm shows uh they were the animation studio behind the second op and ed for summertime rendering Mm. but this is like their first full-fledged tv anime and given that this looks insane obviously this is the uh work of the director kazuki kawagoe who did the komi anime he directed the komi anime um so there's a lot of strong pedigree on this but I'm still just shocked how hard they went on the animation here and how vivid some of the colors are. Like, Zom 100 is a good series just on the writing alone, but this really enhanced the experience in a way I, I just wasn't expecting. I mean, to talk about the series, person in charge of series composition, like the, the writer of the anime, like they got uh, Hiroshi Seko, who's done series composition scripts for a lot of big shows, Attack on Titan, Jujutsu Kaisen, Mob Psycho 100. So you've got a guy who's known for Chainsaw Man. You've got a guy who's known for like really kind of doing some real good work and adaption in terms of like, you know, writing like and translating manga into like a format for tv and doing more than one show a season too because yeah. I mean, jjk is currently airing too so. yeah i don't know if he's on season two he was on the first yeah i mean if you look at seko's history though with writing like lum said a lot of the bangers of the past few years they've had a hand in mm-hmm. like even on the uh netflix side they were the screenwriter on spriggan Yep. Oh, okay. And I mean, yeah, they, and I mean, on Shoggy's side, we have them as, you know, the mob psycho writer for yep. all of it. And, um, Andor Hidoro, Banana Fish. Yeah. And like we mentioned, Summertime Rendering, this, it, he was on that, the writer on that too. So it's almost like a return for him to work with, uh, OLM on this kind of thing. Like, yeah, that's kind of amazing. So they, they kind of got a dream cast for this. Or a staff, excuse me. 
Yeah. I mean, they also got a really good uh, cast. I mean, I think we can all agree that uh, Shuichiro Umeda is really good as Akira. Just the way he was able to capture just the sheer, like, monotone, like, completely burnt out of like state of Akira when he's in the zombie, like, oh, from overworked and just completely just, like, walking through life, like, half dead, basically, just because, like, he's just lost all hope for the future because his job has just worked into the bone. And he's just, like, just capturing that energy, just capturing just that feeling of, like, lifelessness in his monotone voice and then just the the switch that is so palpable between his like more energetic positive energy both like you know when he's first introducing himself to his co-workers and after his sheer elation at realizing hey i don't have to go to work anymore that is just really really wonderful to see him portray those two extremes and really so powerfully through his performance Mm, yeah totally yeah, he's pretty new to the scene. Like, he was also in Banana Fish, but it looks like it's just an extra. That was one of his first roles. Yeah. Like, he, I don't think, looking through his list here, he's not been, like, any main characters. Like, he was recently in um, Why Ray Liana Went to the Duke's Mansion. And it looks like he had a major role in that. But other than that, he's going to be kind of just small roles. So Akira might be his breakout role. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, uh, let me, I don't think I said his name. Shuichiro Umeda. Yeah. So, I mean, he did some good work this episode. I mean, we weren't introduced to too many characters this time around, but like um, main characters. I but like, I do think that the art and just the... Since the art and pacing were really good for this. I think this covered like basically just chapter one. Yeah, it was yeah. just chapter one. And in fact, we talked about this before recording, but they actually did skip over a small scene in the manga, about three pages worth. I think that ended up working for pacing, but it was noticeable. The, what they cut out was when Akira was leaving his building to go see Otari. And we saw like the t- couple that early on is also, are also survivors still in, you know, Akira's building and they can't go out because the zombies are all around. And so when Akira is like dropping down, he's like asking them, Hey, I'm going to go out to the, to out on a date and I'm going to hit up the convenience store when I uh, come back. Do you want anything? And so they, you know, ask him uh, to get them stuff. So they cut out that scene. They're going to come back in a future scene. My guess is that they're just going to consolidate both those scenes together because those characters don't have a super big role in the series as of yet. So I think, yeah, it just makes sense pacing wise and in terms of like, you know, what you want to prioritize the time you spend on to just merge those things together and then just move that to the next episode. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that, and especially since right now, all from as far as we know, this is going to be just a core. So they definitely are, um, I wouldn't say pressed for time, but they definitely want to probably put the best foot forward in the time that they have right now. Because, like, I mean, who knows? Maybe after the end of this quarter, we'll get another one confirmed, or we may not. We don't know. Like, I know V-Lord has mentioned where he thinks it'll end. Yeah, so I think it's likely going to end with the hometown of the Dead Ark. And there's a few reasons for this. One, it's a very natural stopping point for One Core. It's about, like, 
five and a half volumes in. Um, it's a nice closing point for part of Akira's character. And it's also the first major story arc after Bia appears. And Bia's been in all the kind of promotional material with the rest of Akira's gang. So it would be kind of weird for her just to appear for like one story and then this like series is over. I, I feel like they are definitely going to try to get to Bia's like introduction by like maybe like episode eight, episode nine, and then have the final like few episodes be that hometown of the dead arc where they all have to work together. I'm a little more skeptical they'll be able to cover all that in the time they have just because like that arc is fairly long. It'll take them through volume six, beginning of seven, I think. It's it's halfway through volume six, which is why I was saying five and a half volumes. Okay. Yeah, well, I think, I don't know. I'm still like iffy. It really depends on how the pacing goes in the next episodes because this episode adapted one chapter We'll see how much the subsequent episodes cover and how that works out pacing-wise. Yeah, I mean, because looking at the Japanese TV guide, I mean, Shangri-La Frontier's already got that next time slot confirmed. Mm. <laughs> so, like, yeah, there's no... <laughs> I mean, we, we already knew it was confirmed to be a core, but this is pretty much 100% saying there is no chance of it getting increased. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, so this episode adapted roughly 70 pages, so, like... Yeah. That's, like, what? Like, a third of the volume? Yeah, that's true. We're actually about half, because Zom volumes aren't super long. They're usually around 160 pages, 170 pages. I guess that's true. Okay, maybe you're right, then. Yeah, and these are, like, monthly chapters, too. Yeah. Because this runs in monthly Sunday GX. The pacing for this chapter, like, I mean, they covered the first chapter... If it didn't feel too slow, like, it definitely, like, I want to say, you know, there was definitely a focus on just how much drudgery was for Akira's life before the zombie apocalypse. And I mean, like, I guess it felt a little snappier in the manga, but like... I, I appreciate that they just, they go through, because they could have easily have skipped over all of that, because we, you know, is with anime adaptions especially, they're more like rewards to people who read the manga. And I mean, yeah, they can be used to get new fans in there, but they, I mean, like a lot of the um, promo stuff shows zombies and everything like that. So, you know, somebody else might have just said, okay, let's just get to the zombie part. You know, we Akira hates his job, that's fine. But no, they went through the effort to just show just how beaten down this kid is. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he falls in love with a co-worker, finds out she's screwing the boss. So that's yeah. that's that ray of sunshine is gone. He's not able to go home for like days at a time. And you could just see his apartment getting more and more just, you know, decrepit and dilapidated because he's just not home to take care of it. And yeah, it's just... You just see him getting to a snapping point. Yeah, and when, like, you see him at his breaking point, everything turns to black and white. Yeah. And it's such a great transition when you first see the zombies. And there's these little splashes of color just reminiscent of the cover arts of the manga, where you have those, like, little, like, art splashes everywhere. Yeah, like, the splits of paint and stuff. Like, I compared yeah. it to Doggone Rompug, which has that kind of, like, pop art sensibility like that that's what it really what it reminds me of yeah and just the entire sequence of the world coming back to color again coming back to life for akira 
it's just so beautifully done. And it's like, one thing I kind of feared with the ZOM 100 anime is that Kotaro Taka's artwork is kind of insane at times. To the point that I couldn't imagine how it could be replicating animation. And I think they're doing a good approach here where they can't replicate the sheer detail of Takata's artwork, but they can create this sense of vividness that could really only be done with the enhancement of color in animation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I mean, they really do nail it. Like, from the, from the first scene where Akira's watching the zombie movie, you know, and kind of comparing it to his life, like, that guy running across the, like, landscape of zombies and just destruction that yeah. looks really good the embers of fire as he runs by like they they spare no expense in just like the sense of space and scale like some of these things and then like i mean we all we all got a good laugh when he like tackled his boss who was in zombie form that goes that went so hard that was like a hinomaru sumo scene <laughs> well, it was a one piece like a one piece scene when uh luffy punched charlos yes yeah, which yeah. i mean Saikake, I think you made the comparison. Yes, because like, so his boss, Kosugi's voice actor is Chara Furin, who's known as St. Charles in One Piece, and more popularly in the Shaggy Spear, Megure and Detective Conan. God. <laughs> so like, the fact that they went, they went is so hard with it. Like when he tackled him, it went black and white, a lot like when Luffy punches, delivered yeah. that legendary punch. <laughs> so like... It, it it was great, and I I I'm sure that it was just coincidental, but I want to believe that some animator loved One Piece and remembered that moment, and yeah. that that casting just was serendipitous. <laughs> it was one hell of a deck. And I just love the touch of like when the boss is like flying out the window. We're seeing like little snippets of his like uh, Akira's like rugby pass, like in the glass shards. Yes, like yeah. that was like a fun extra little flourish, and that's what I like about this anime is that it really expands on and adds whole utter dimensions to these scenes from the manga that really take advantage of the fact that it's animated. Like the opening scene, to go back to that, that whole like Akira watching the movie thing, they took like two pages in the manga and they made it a whole sequence that was just so much more dynamic of this movie character like running through this like burning city and the zombies chasing after him and it's like he really expanded on that um they also expanded on like other scenes like whether it be like you know akira just hanging out with his co-workers on the office just like spending more time in the animation to just focus on the character and like the character acting of akira just taking in his environment uh, we definitely see that in like the montage of akira's work and just him being beaten down they really let time breed too like i really appreciate that they spend more time on akira kind of just reflecting after his first two day stretch that i'm still sleep deprived i don't want to go to work like they spend a little more time on that and we actually see his reaction and him contemplate this in a way that you know we dwell on much more than the manga where it's like much faster all that is like thought about in a page and yeah, I like that the anime kind of takes its time to, like, flesh out these things and really, like, let you sit with them. Even, like, a somewhat, like, trashy scene, like, the idea of, like, you know, Otori is, like, getting uh, 
you know, he, her and the boss are having sex in the closet at work. You know, even that, the way that it expanded on uh, and fleshed out, the way they like, change it from, like, Akira's not just working at, like, his desk while, like, a, this is happening. Like, he's, like, putting up some boxes and, like, you know, he... He just his soul cr is crushed in a way that it's just much more visible <laughs> when as he's like <laughs> packaging these boxes while he has to listen to this and this the yeah just the way that they handle the sequence I think that it just makes the emotions come across just so palpably and uh, I really appreciate it oh and the character acting when Akira like sees that Tori has been turned to a yes, zombie that was such a and good just like scene. he's he's like holding back his tears as he's like trying to you know get the composure to like just say what he's always wanted to say and in he the says brief it. second that he still sees her as herself yeah mm, yeah the, the entire confession scene itself was just it so was beautifully great. done like they they you know it starts off you know he confesses to her and she's still her pretty human self and then as she's walking towards him and then it just reality the reality like um yeah. frame sets in and she turns she's a zombie again and movie gets tops towards him yeah oh <laughs> my god and the scenes of like akira running away from the zombies both earlier in his building and then from atori they really like make those really cool sequences of like him running through the the hallways dealing with turns dealing with like the environment like there's this great moment where he's like you know he's got his second win and excited again he's like running towards a zombie and he like goes under her Yes. Like it, they're just really great ways that they add flourish to just this, this action beat of him just running from the zombies to just, you know, obviously the color at play in terms of like having the zombie blood be like this, the paint splatter color. And then that switch from the, the monotone black and white to like a cure at full color when he reaches the roof and he recognizes, oh, the sky is blue. And then his like world comes back into color again as he comes to the realization, oh, I don't have to go to work anymore. Uh, just the animation of him like just taking off like his tag and i love the extra touch of like one of the zombies like just chews through it <laughs> yes. it just completely destroys it uh and then yeah it's just like an explosive moment he just like rips off like just the the, the clothes the shackles of like his yeah. his work life yeah, yeah so like when liberated he's, like, running towards the camera and he realizes i don't have to go to work to work it's like he's no longer in his work clothes for just a second it's like the sunlight just like it's he stripped you would think he stripped him all comes back he comes back in the frame and he's just so happy yeah like you see the entire like earth yeah in his yeah. eyes like it just goes into space into the earth and then we just see the entire universe in his eyes it's like oh my god he's like found some sort of enlightenment <laughs> in the entire yeah. world he's seeing through new eyes literally yeah, it's it's just such like that whole thing. Like the fact that they just break him down and build him up and just using the voice acting and oh yeah, one thing that we didn't really talk about too much is the music, which I think was wonderfully done throughout this episode. Uh let me see. Makoto Miyazaki. Who's done series oh, they did one punch they man. They did Spy Family. Yeah, yeah, One Punch Man, Spy Family. Uh oh, this Haruhi SOS Nara Daijobu theme. So, yeah, they've been around. 
ReZero, they did Redo. So they've been around to do a couple different things. And Idol Master, a lot of songs for that. But yeah, they did a really good job with the music throughout this episode. Like the scene where he finally, you know, we've been talking, we've been gushing about it because it's just that good of a scene. Akira mm-hmm. realizes he doesn't have to go back to work anymore. Like the music was really, really like this, this just uplifting track that's playing. You would think that, like, I, I said it during while we were watching, it feels like he just beat a lot. The animation in the music just felt like this is the final episode where he beats the <laughs> final boss. Yeah. <laughs> like, and yeah. This is, the, it, it, in a way, it is the end of, like, this, fi- this final boss that is his job. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, and I mean, even just, not just, even talking about Miyazaki's music it's even the lack of it in the first parts where he is going to the drudgery of his job it's and very that's so effective too because then it just brings more impact when you actually hear it yeah it's very sparse very you know you hear some music here or there but it's sparse quiet and very secondary to um Umeda's voice acting which is just you he goes from just being like when Akira first gets the job he's very I, I guess to compare him to like um, what's his name? Uh, I, I'm forgetting his name now from Demon Slayer. Tanjiro? Not Tanjiro. Um, Tokito. Not Tokito. Why would he be? <laughs> I don't know. No, it, um, uh, I was thinking because lifeless. No, he starts off. He's very loud and kind of like um, Rengoku. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. He starts off like yeah, but I mean that is a good comparison. He starts off as Rengoku and kind of becomes Tokito. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. know why I forgot Rengoku's name. It's late. <laughs> we're recording Your this. Your heart isn't set ablaze anymore. <laughs> no. We're recording this at midnight, so I'm I'm halfway to being a zombie. Yeah, <laughs> but, get on um, a train. Nothing matters. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he's he's very. Uh, I mean, I would. I, yeah, I guess obnoxious. I don't want to say obnoxious. He's just very. I mean, it's his first job. He's very energetic. He's very. He's like a. He's like a puppy, you know, yeah. who doesn't know any better. He just. He just loves. He just wants to work. He wants to impress people. And then, like, when he realizes he's working for, you know, basically the black organization, he, <laughs> he, he he's very green around the ears. Yeah, like he's yeah. just he's just a new he's just a little guy. <laughs> he's he's really got his uh, rose colored spectacles. Exactly, and I mean, and of course, it ties into definitely the cultural like thing because I can I can imagine people watching this being like, dude, just quit. <laughs> well they even have the conversation he has with himself about like why doesn't he quit well he thinks to himself look for another job why where do i, I have would to i find, find the time? time yeah if i was to quit all that work would just go onto my team i don't know if i'll find a better job anyway like there are worse companies than mine so he just feels stuck it's like well there's just not anything better for him and he just you know because of how hard his job is like you know on him how much is draining on him he just doesn't have the energy to to try then to find something better for himself he's just like given in because like he, it's all he can do to just keep up with what his job is demanding of him and that's uh that's capitalism in a nutshell. It's what keeps people in their jobs that they hate. 
It's because they have to survive and they just don't have the time, the resources, the ability to find something that treats them better, pays them better. Because they, the job just moves them too fast. It works them too hard to yeah, do especially anything. especially when it's your first. I mean, definitely, I could speak from that experience because my first like corporate or well office job, I hated it. But I felt like oh, I went through all the training. I did all this time. What will my parents think if I quit or whatever? And, they, and I and I put up with it for five years, so <laughs> or more than that, honestly. But yeah, I put up with it longer than I really should have. So really, I don't usually like identify with characters that much. But I could kind of feel myself in a cure where it's just like, yeah, lots of times my family and my friends were all just like, quit. Just you hate it. But I'm just like, yeah, but then like, will I find another job? Will you know, how will I support myself and all of this stuff? So it's like, I get it with Akira. I mean, I could definitely see, again, some other people probably looking at it like, especially nowadays where it is a thing where it's just like, we have come. Capitalism definitely still is out there. <laughs> I don't want to make it sound like it isn't, but like, at least I've seen it more especially with like, you know, closer to like with my, like one of my sisters, I mean, just to put, make a per, spin a personal anecdote on it. She'll quit the job just cause she's bored of it. <laughs> and she's yeah. done that more than once. <laughs> so yeah. like one of the encouraging things is that Gen Z doesn't take as much shit. I just saw like this clip yes. earlier on uh, Twitter, like a few days ago about this home Depot, like, uh, clerk who was like you know getting berated by customers and like he just had it after a certain point he was like you know what fuck you I'm out of here I quit yeah like and I I have to F, I remember when my sister was doing that I was just like how could she do and then yeah because I mean she too was just like and there was one person I worked in an office where she didn't like to commute and she quit <laughs> so like it I definitely have to give it to the younger generation they don't take that shit yeah <laughs> so and but i could but getting back to the subject at hand i can definitely understand the cure's mind he doesn't quit and i can understand maybe to some people watching where it's just like i this doesn't make sense to me i wouldn't but you wouldn't really you know you wouldn't really see yourself it's funny because we said we, we just came back from another movie where it's like Everybody thinks they would run into that burning building until they feel the heat. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, we we just came back from um, Tenet. Tenet. Yeah. I mean, that was a line in the movie. And although a lot of the movie was really silly, that one <laughs> line kind of resonated with me because, like, it's true. It, it, it's easy to look at Akira and be like, that. That mm, I'm built different. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but, but when, like, yeah. would you be? <laughs> yeah. When you're in that situation, like, what would you do? Would you really be also have the strength to quit or would you keep going with it? And, like, I think that pride thing uh, you were kind of bringing up earlier of, like, oh, I invested so much of my time to get this job. You know, this is what I've been working towards. This was my dream. And it's just not what it turned out to be. And he doesn't want to admit that to himself. It's like, this was my goal. Like, this was what I was working so hard for. And if this isn't what I want to do, if this isn't what I like doing, then what else is there? And the point of the series is that, oh, he thinks about a hundred things that he'd like to do instead. Yeah, no, I think that that's one thing that I really want to talk about, too. And it's the, I think it's very much the idea that there's this room to grow and start over. And I think that's a running theme in Zom. You have these characters that come from all these different backgrounds, but 
they're finding fulfillment in these new ways of life in a arguably brand new environment, new world of the zombie apocalypse. Even though it's a dire situation, for them it's a new opportunity to change their way of living, to give them the second chance in a way that they were too afraid to do before. Yeah. And I think it's, it's a really cool idea, and I think it it cements Zom as something much more than just a traditional Walking Dead form of the zombie story. It's It's much more about the journey of these characters and them kind of just living their lives. Yeah, I think the big, like, philosophical difference, you know, really does come down to the perspective that Akira has and how liberating he finds the zombie apocalypse because it's just a re-emphasis of this idea. And we've, you know, we heard Takada, we heard, like, Akaso talk about this at, um, the AX panels it's like the kind of the thesis of Zom is like life is too short you know to do everything you want to do so don't waste your time doing things you don't want to do you know live your life to the fullest and you know do what makes you happy before you become a zombie essentially or before you die so it's like yeah you should you know really chase and pursue what you enjoy out of life and not really waste your time on not doing things that you won't enjoy and yeah i think that is a really pretty nice message nice sentiment to remind yourself of like yeah life is short so make the best of it yeah Mm -hmm. totally now the last thing i want to talk about here is we got to hear the opening theme at the end of the episode the song of the dead by kanaboon what, what do we think of it? Obviously, we didn't get the visuals of the opening yet, but what do we think of the song? Uh, it didn't really leave an impression on me. I can't remember it, having just listened to it. I mean, I thought it was... I mean, as far as Kanaboon songs go, I, I'm, I'm kind of in the same count, but Lum, I mean, I feel like the visuals will make or break yeah. it for me. I mean, uh, to be fair, I just came off of watching Karakuri Circus with Hagaruma, and that that's a bop yeah it's definitely no hogger <laughs> so yeah like i if if i hadn't just watched karakuri circus i might be like i mean i hate really i, I don't like comparing it to their other songs but i kind of have to because kanaboon they i don't want to necessarily say they phone this in i i feel like that because i don't want to make it sound like they work harder on some songs than others but I, I just think that I'm going to need visuals with this one to be able to say whether I like it or not. I mean, for yeah. what it, what, and, or to hear it more than once. Yeah, that's the thing. You just, you only heard it once. I think that it's going to take some more time. Like, really, really, like, I end up remembering a song because I listened to it again and again. And with anime openings, it's because I rewatched the opening again and again because a lot of times I want to revisit those visuals. And so the song gets stuck in my head through that association so it's like yeah i'll have to see how the the zom opening is when it's when like get into like rewatching every so bit and then that'll eventually translate to me listening to the song every so often so you know we'll see if that's how it be yeah i mean i we definitely i i think we can both we can agree that we're not necessarily saying it's a bad song it's just we've only like when we watched it during the AX panel 
Um, we only got to see half the episode. Yeah. The song didn't play then. And so we only got to hear it the one time now. And with just, you know, the credits scrolling. I mean, I'll have to admit that I'm a little bit more excited for the ending, which is... um. Uh, hoo, 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 let me see. Happiness of the Dead by Happiness uh, Shui. by Shui. Shui did the ending song for uh, Gundam Witch of Mercury for the first season, and that was a super like a super dope song. So I'm really happy to see that she's back on this. So I'm looking forward to how it'll this will end up sounding. But again, I definitely I, I'm definitely not saying that Song of the Dead is a bad song. It's just at this time. I don't have much to say about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess my my overall thoughts on it is that I I thought it was fine, I, and I actually think lyrically it's really good. Yes, but it's probably not the type of song like Hagaruma that I would like listen to on loop. Mm. But yeah, I, I think the the visuals were very much make or break it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Kanabun I feel like is one of those bands that's just like they have a very distinct they have a distinct sound, but they're very safe in how they approach it because a lot of i wouldn't i mean you know the people in this room know that i don't like um spire because i think all their songs sound the same (laughs) but um i don't think kanaboon has that problem i think their songs are all distinct but it's just i don't know how to put this they don't they have distinct songs but they're all very kanaboon i guess for lack of better way of putting it so it's like when I when they were announced to be the ones to do the opening, I'm like, all right, I already have a pretty good idea how this is going to sound. And, you know, hearing it now didn't betray those expectations very much. But I think what really makes a Kanaboon song really just pop is a lot of times they're paired with really great visuals. Like, you know, from whether it be their Sarazan Mai song, their My Hero Academia song, I, they're, they're, they're one of those bands that I feel like because they have that overexposure going on, it kind of dilutes their sound a little because they are on so many different anime. I mean, Naruto, My Hero Academia, Karakuri Circus, like we just mentioned, uh, Fire Force. Yeah, they've been around. Mm, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see for episode two. I mean, I, I'm also excited for episode two because... Shizuka should appear, mm-hmm. so we'll finally get another member of the cast as well. So yeah, it'll be a, it'll be a good time, and hopefully we'll cover it on the podcast next week. I just wanted to comment on one more scene that I appreciated that results are changed in the manga, and that was like the very last scene. I really appreciated kind of just how they changed it rather than like Akira's like, you know kind of biking home he's just like sitting outside the convenience store he's like sipping a can of soda and he's just there's this melancholy it's like reflecting of like well i'm glad i i got to you know finally confess my feelings and then think about hmm, what i'm gonna do next and it kind of has this brief like kind of flash of like thinking about the the bucket list but like I also appreciated that change because it cut out like kind of a a comment that I didn't really like in the manga where he was like, well, at least I got to see your tits. And I'm like, that's kind of the stuff that's in the manga that I, I didn't really like about it early on. It's like some of the sexually kind of crass uh, and exploitative moments. And I feel like I really appreciated that they were moving that because one, it kind of removes like the sincerity 
I think of like Akira's confession to Atori and his feelings for her to like say, well, you know, at least uh, I got to fulfill like this like base, like sexual desire rather than, oh no, I had a real genuine emotional connection with this person that I really feel like so distraught that, that she is gone and that I couldn't really say what I wanted to say to her when she was still like fully herself, but I still feel a sense of closure of that. So I'm glad they just kind of removed that one comment that kind of depowered it. And I hope that they also kind of I remove some of some other similar moments where I feel like a more like crude or etchy type scene or comment kind of interrupts a like a moment of like emotional sincerity. Yeah, I mean, I feel like most of those moments are kind of gone after volume two. Yeah. Like volume, what was it? Volume twelve has like a. I guess volume twelve in general is pretty horny. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, it kind of just dies down. Yeah, I don't mind horny so much as, like, again, like, just stuff that feels a little, again, haste-less or in, in not as in, in, like, good taste in terms of, like, how it makes you as a reader feel. Because, like, yeah, I, like, I really bought into, like, Akira having genuine feelings, like, Atori being a person that meant something to him. And then, like, you know, this that con in the manga is like, oh, well, was it more shallow than that? But in the anime, I think it's conveyed and captured so well. And I think that, you know, I'm glad they removed that con because I think that would have deflated. Yeah, I mean, and I think it does kind of fly in the face a little bit in his, like, he didn't seem like that kind of guy, yeah. you know, yeah. like throughout like his the first episode and the first chapter of the manga. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because I actually totally forgot about that. I guess I just glossed over it. But um, yeah, no, like Akira just he it just felt weird thinking because thinking about it now, like he's he goes to the first chapter being this really earnest kind of upright guy. And then suddenly he's a like, and you know, well, I mean, I'm not necessarily saying he has no base desires whatsoever, but it just feels like that was a weird way of like showing that. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Mm. I'm, like, yeah. I mean, I get, I could kind of get it from a point of view of just like, he fell in love with this woman. He knows nothing about. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess that was kind of like maybe a comment towards that where it's like, how could you love her when you, don't know her <laughs> but um at the same time i do agree that yeah i, I feel like it didn't really do anything his character and i, and I kind of like him a little bit more just being that upstanding kind of i like working i you know because even when he was saying he wants to impress her he didn't do anything he said i'm going to work hard so she'll see me working hard rather than like oh i'm gonna go ask her out immediately or do something you know you know swagger or something like that yeah so it did feel weird that suddenly he's like oh well all right well i got a tit i got a titty peek so that's fine. yeah i mean i, I don't want to comment on this too much because it is it does get tied into things that happen later but i guess like it def definitely is i think akira was more in lo love with the idea of otari versus who she actually was and then I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. That's fair. But yeah, I think that's uh, about it for this episode. So I uh, might as well get out of here. So, Lum, where can people find you? You can find me at Lum on Twitter and 
well, forever long Twitter is a thing. But, you know, you can find me somewhere else on other places like Letterboxd, Danny List, Danny Revelation, Discord. Where there's a woman, Miyasha, you can find me by that name. And you can also read my reviews over at mangamarets.com, as well as uh, con coverage, interviews. We got a lot of stuff in the pipes, a lot of stuff planned to come out. So look forward to more in there. And of course, you can also find and listen to the eponymous Mangarets podcast on there. We discuss manga as a medium and as an industry. We have a lot of episodes that we have in the pipes discussing news and various series. And we're going to have quite a summer of con episodes, too, with AX and SDCC and Otakon. So look forward to those coming up. And... Also, check out the other podcast I do, Lump Squad, your Sansa Focus podcast, where we discuss the wonderful Wacky World of Mukotakashi's classic sci fi rom com series. Yurisayatsura, and we are having a lot of fun going through the manga, released now in full by Viz, and the new anime, now available on High Dive, and the classic anime series and movies released by Discotech. There's a lot to talk about with Yurisayatsura and Rumukurahashi these days. We're having a lot of fun going through the series. We have a lot of episodes still planned to come out, still in the works, hoping to get back on track and release that show back more regularly again soon. But yeah, we love Yurisayatsura and we'd love for you to check us out if you love Yurisayatsura and you can follow us on Twitter at Lum underscore squad. You can find us on youtube by searching for our channel name and you can also find our episodes uh, wherever podcasts are posted be it like apple Podcasts, spotify stature you listen to it on a platform you'll find it there on that platform and also we cross post episodes among where it's feed which again is also available on pretty much every podcast platform you can think of Apple Pockets, Spotify, Stitcher, and stuff. And we also have a YouTube channel you could find with a custom URL, YouTube uh, slash Mangamarics, if you prefer to listen to your podcasts over on YouTube. And if you like to support what we do, uh, check it over to the Mangamarics Patreon, where we have like a variety of tiers where you can pledge your support and get bonus podcasts, like our $5 monthly bonus podcast tier. So if you want to get an extra ma- dose of Manga Marics every month, definitely support us on there. It really helps us out. And if you like the art I make, like the thumbnails I draw for our podcast, or the animations illustrations I make in general, you can find that stuff on my Instagram at setartworks. Awesome. And Sakaki, where can people find you? Yes, you can find me at Kirobon, K-I-I-R-O-B-O-N, on Twitter. Um, you can also be, but where I'm really mostly active is at WSS Talkback on um, Twitter, where it's weekly Shogaku Condition, where we talk about Shogaku manga all day, every day. Um, we are one of the few, we are the only, like, Twitter that goes through the entire magazine back and forward, and even now including Viz releases, and talks about everything that goes on in Weekly Shonen Sunday. And we also talk about Shogakukan stuff, which includes, of course, ZOM 100. Um, we also have WSS Talkback at blogspot.com, where we do translations of interviews with artists, um, editors, reviews of manga. Um, of course, as, as Lum just mentioned, we'll be doing our own con write-ups, both of AX um we'll be doing one of ax and um odacon for sure um 
And of course, if anybody is interested in writing anything, it doesn't have to be about uh, Shonen Sunday series. It can be about, again, uh, Shogaku Khan, um, be it Z- uh, Zom 100 that runs in Sunday GX or Big Comic or anything. If you're interested in writing about Shogaku Khan, we'd love to have you. Um, I'll let V-Lord talk about the rest of his podcast empire. <laughs> But outside of that, I'm also on another another day, another adventure at another DB pod on Twitter where if it's animated, it's a Dragon Ball podcast where if it's animated and Goku appears in it, we will talk about it eventually, which means that I've pretty much signed a contract with the devil to be on there for the rest of my life. <laughs> but um, uh, we're currently going through the first Dragon Ball anime and it's been a ton of fun. So at least I'll, you know, die doing what I love <laughs> um, or will what I love killed me <laughs> either way. I, I also watch for Tsunami Faith, write for Tsunami Faith, excuse me. Um, and yeah, that's generally where you can find me. Awesome. Definitely follow both Lum and Sakaki. They both do amazing work. But as for myself, you can find me on Twitter at VLORGTZ and I write various things for mangamavericks.com as well as tsunamifaithful.com I want to especially shout out my recent interview from Anime Expo with A.G. Akaso who is the lead actor in the ZOM 100 Bucket List of the Dead live action adaptation over on Netflix that comes out in August uh, Akaso plays Akira Tendo so it was really cool getting to talk to him and Here's perspective on Akira as a character as well as the series as a whole. So please go check out that interview. And uh, yeah, as far as podcasts go, I do a bunch of them. The main one of which is the Demon Slayer podcast over on Twitter at DSlayer Podcast. But there's also the Dumb Weebs podcast at Dumb Weebs Pod and Oversoul Shaman King podcast at Shaman King Pod. But as far as saturday night shoggy is concerned you can find us on twitter at sat night shoggy and you can also email us at sat night shoggy at gmail.com and feel free to send us any questions or comments over there and we might even mention them on the podcast and the podcast is on basically every podcast streaming platform at this point spotify apple Podcasts, you name it we are there so just go look us up Give us a rating and review if you feel like it. And just enjoy the content. And if you want to give us a little bit extra and get even more content in return, you can join the Demon Slayer Podcast and V-Lord Podcast Universe Patreon, where for as little as $1 a month, you can get access to our early release schedule, early access to episodes, and any bonus content that we feel like making, such as outtakes or us just like shooting like random comments at each other so yeah go join our growing patreon family but that does it for this episode so we will see you guys later sampanara <laughs> <laughs>